0: Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience powered by Gasoline, Ali Harley-Davidson. Today's guest is World Supersport Champion, MotoGP racer, family man, and um, yeah, a bit of everything. Welcome, Chris Vermillion
1: A <laughs> bit of everything. Well, oh, mate, that's it. It is these days, isn't it? So, mm. yes, no, thanks for having me, Mick.
0: Well, we've spoken about it this morning. You're a hot rodder, you're a mountain biker, you sort of are a bit of everything, eh?
1: Part time, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Not, uh, qu- not quite very good at anything. <laughs> but um, no, exactly. Former bike rider and um, yeah, now, now family man, like you said, couple of kids. So
0: Surfer. Good.
1: Yeah, wow. <laughs> pretty bad. I'll pretty try- bad surfer, pretty bad mountain biker. Pretty average triathlete. Yeah, you know, so that's
0: all, good. all of it. Gotta be bad at something.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Who's Chris Vermillion?
1: Oh, who is he? He's uh I like Troy bayless's quote. He's a washed-up bike rider. Yeah. Um, I love that one he uses and and that's about me. But um had a fantastic career as a as a motorcycle racer. Um and now I live on sunshine Coast where I grew up, um, with my wife and two kids, and uh, I'm a part-time farmer as well, so a few cows out there, a few horses, chickens, bit of everything, really. So,
0: mate, you've done enough to keep yourself busy post post racing time, I guess, eh? Hey?
1: Yes, yep. So, uh, uh, from a, staying in in the industry, I was a commentator for Fox Sports or a co-host, I guess you call it for um, for the MotoGP show. I did that for a while, you know. Um, I think six years. Wow, seven, six or seven years. Um, <laughs> still don't know how tv works not very good <laughs> at it yet but um getting there slowly um been doing that uh, i'm not doing that this year yeah 2021 i decided to take a year off just spend a bit more family time and um yeah i'm doing a podcast with the australian grand prix corporation um trying to generate inter- interest into into the grand prix and hopefully they're going to come to australia again um that's formula one and and moto gp and um and yeah, now i got 50 acres, as you can see here, Mick. And uh, there's yeah. always something to do on 50 acres. I can tell you there's weeds to spray, fences to fix, cows to move.
0: Were you ever a farmer?
1: No, not really. Not mm. really. But um, when I was racing overseas, uh, we had uh, 30 acres not far away, my parents lived there. So yeah. when I come home, you know, there was always something to do and uh, play around. And, and it's good, it's relaxing, gets you off yeah. the farm, and or um, gets you off. You get you on the farm, gets you off thinking about other things, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy the, uh, the peace out there and uh, there's, like I said, there's always something to do,
0: so it's good fun. Because you had um, oh, what you have? probably 10, 12 years of racing time, mm-hmm. professional racing time overseas and stuff, where it just would have been noise. It would be kind of nice <laughs> to come back to no noise. You know?
1: I was, um, you're right, I think it was 12 years or coming up on 12 years and um, I was impatient. I was a motorcycle racer. Everything was about going faster. You know, everything yeah. I did was about going faster on a motorbike. My wife will tell you that um, I wasn't the uh, easiest person to live with, I reckon. I can't mm. imagine I was. Um, you're very impatient, focused, just want to go fast, want things to happen very quickly. So moving back here to, um, you know, the hinterland and yeah. where things are a little bit more laid back. It's, uh, it took me a few years, but um, I am a lot more chilled out these days and um,
0: it's good to be here. It's a, it's a word you've used a couple of times this morning, impatient, even car colours or anything. So, <laughs> so that's interesting to hear. I'm a lot better now, yeah. trust me. But yeah, it was pretty
1: bad. It was pretty bad.
0: Where did it all start for bikes?
1: Oh, through my, through my old man, through my parents. Yeah. Um, so I think I got my first motorbike, if I got it correctly, when I was six months old. I was born in June, so that first Christmas. Um, six months old? Yeah, Dad bought me a Peewee. Um, so this was the Christmas of 82 yep. and, um, from there, my dad's a baker, um, always has been, owns his own bakery and, um, used to come home from work when I was little and get on the bike with me and, and ride. He loves motorbikes, loves motorbikes still. And, um, and yeah, used to, used to ride and I understood I could, I could ride the bike, um, before I, I had the balance. So mm. I knew how all the controls worked. And, um, the same day I took the training wheels off my push bike, Yeah, you know, I was about almost three years old. Um, I rode, rode my peewee on my own, you know, with, with dad off. So once you get that balance and um, away I went. So n- didn't really get into any racing. My old man liked trials, uh, really? a bit of motocross. And yep. I just loved going out riding with friends, people, you know, his mates tried to do whatever he, you know, I wanted to be a trials rider because dad did trials and um, cruised around. And um, yeah, didn't get into any racing um, until I was about 11. And... Uh, what set that off is I started BMX racing at about six or seven years old. Wow. So I was riding motorbikes for fun, racing BMX, you know, for, as a sport, as a hobby, my, my dad did it, my, my sister did it as well. And, and then I started about 11 years old, 10, 11, just going, Mum, you know, I wouldn't mind having to go at motocross or, you know, racing a motorbike. And, um, that was the hard one to convince Mum to let me, let me race. Wow. So, um, yeah, so that was the early days. And then I, I got a, I got a KX 60 when I was, uh, Ten years old and um, and and started a little bit of racing. And where where is that at? Like you- uh, locally here at Sunshine Coast. So with yeah. um, Sunshine Coast Club, which is still going, it's at Conondale. Yeah, Sunshine Coast Motocross Club. I was a member of Kilcoy yeah. Motocross Club. Um, so they had motocross and flat track. And that's when I got more into the the flat track, the dirt track racing, because mm. um, you'd go out there in the day and you, you'd ride both. And um, I much preferred the speed than than doing the jumps, basically from a yeah. young age. And um, got into that and and then started to do more flat track racing from about 11, 12 years old, um, sort of around the state and eventually the country as a junior. So um, it wasn't an easy period, i got to say, because that age, so I started flat track racing. Um, there was a few guys that I was racing against that didn't do too bad in motorcycling. There was, was Anthony West, yeah. Brock Parks, Casey Stoner. Um, I mean, the Stouffer, the Stauffer yeah. brothers. Um, others i've probably missed missed a few um but uh all those guys wayne maxwell was a, we were all around the same age so there was some, some pretty fast riders so the competition level was was there from an early age i
0: guess yeah. it's pretty crazy and I, I i have a bit of a memory of i think you and westy had a fair mm. uh fair rivalry for a lot of years eh? we did we did um especially on the dirt age, bikes age. yeah he's
1: one year older than me i think Is so he? we were in that same age group yep. and um yeah because he was on the gold coast mm. um see a lot of the other guys were, were were down south a bit so um westy wasn't that far away and yeah we had a, we had a good rivalry i'd say a healthy rivalry yep. um true those early days and uh he definitely because he was just that nine or ten months almost a year older than me he sort of dragged me along because he'd get on the bigger bikes yep. before me you get onto the the big wheel 80 or the one two five before i did and then when I got there, I wanted to beat him straight away, of course, of course. you know,
0: so <laughs> it was never easy,
1: trust me. He was, he was quick and he, he still yeah. is quick, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was good fun.
0: And like you did some time up at Maryborough and stuff too, yes. hey memories yeah. of Maryborough, bit of, uh, I think you made it. I'm, I'm a Ballina, Richmond River Motorcycle uh, okay. Club member yes. from back then. You come there a I've, bit as I well. I did come there well. a couple of times. Uh, Maryborough, actually, once I got
1: into flat tracking more frequently and got away from the motocross, um, uh, so when I was about 12, 13 years old, Merriborough was my club. Yep. So um, it's an hour and a half's drive from where I was living, but um that was our local club and mainly because it was an oil dirt track and I just that's I awesome, just loved right? it. You know, you put those wet weather slick tires on your CR125 at 13 years old and you're doing 130 Ks an hour or whatever we're doing. It was and sliding the thing, it was it was I just loved it. That was yep. my um that's what I wanted to do and uh, I just enjoyed it. I never
0: thought I'd make a career out of it at that stage. I just just loved going and riding my bike. It's such like oil track, especially. Yeah. Um, I, I there's just such a good foundation for a road racing. Hey?
1: I agree completely, yeah. you know, and I mean, Troy Ballas did it with his Ballas classic, you know, yeah. we, we could, he could run an event on an oil track, bring dirt bikers, bring road racers, bring flat yeah. trackers. And we're all reasonably competitive. You, you watch the road racers go and they run the front wheel, the dirt, tr- uh, the motocrosses are trying to stand the bike up, but, um, you know, they don't mind it sliding. It's, uh, it was, it was good fun. And, I still think oil tracks, oil dirt tracks, when they're prepared perfectly, they're pretty hard to beat.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of the best forms of motorcycling. Yep, I know? agree. That, um, talking about the Troy Bayliss Classic, that's, mm-hmm. uh, the the it 450s you had? Yes. They're pretty legit, aren't they? They were fast. So, yeah. So,
1: Circo built them, um, yep. Gavin Eels and, and the guys at Circo there, and um, man, that 450 I had, it had some horsepower. Just, I I did so little riding on it, I didn't get it turning as well as I wanted, but um, it, was, it was it was a cool thing <laughs> it was it was definitely it definitely kept me on my toes. that's for sure they did a good job with that, that yep. event, hey? yeah really good really good uh, I went for three of them I didn't go the last year, and they, they had an issue with the weather, and that's the only thing with with all dirt you can't ride when yep. it rains um, just a piece of glass pretty much <laughs> you go you go walk on it and you you'll go ass up that's for sure but um, yeah Troy, Troy did an awesome job and peto and Jim yeah and all the guys involved with running that and um uh, it would be great to see if something like that could come back again who knows um it, if it did it'd be uh i think it'll draw a crowd again for sure
0: yeah no definitely and when when was it when you found that like you could be a career out of this or work from it like like, like from from motorcycle yeah, yeah when was that oh
1: gee i don't know um i mean my birthday was in june as i said earlier um so i turned i couldn't race till i was 16 really in yep. australia the junior classes were just coming in just before my 16th birthday so i did the odd
0: couple of races here or there but um and that was always a funny thing for for that wasn't it the it, 15 9 or whatever there's a few rule pushes and stuff like yeah I, I tried
1: um but in new south wales at the time i wasn't even allowed to ride a bike on a track to even practice, you know, in Queensland we were. So yeah. I was a, I, I had a 125 GP bike up here, an old one, and used to go to Lakeside, do a bit of practicing. Right. And then, um, yeah, basically I did a few races on a 250 GP and a 600, um, the last three rounds of the Australian Championship and then a couple of rounds of the Queensland Championship. And I did reasonably well. I won a couple of races and um, when I first went road racing. So the, the following year I went on to an R1. Uh, this is 99 so what a it was jump 16 i know and um, the australian superbike championship and that's when they sort of brought all the the thousands in with the 750s and mm. tried to so we we're at thousands but less less work allowed to be done than the 750 proper superbikes you know yep. like Kawasaki and Suzuki were running um, And what a what a jump like you say i mean the the depth of the field then there were there were factory teams from Honda Kawasaki Suzuki Ducati uh, all the guy Yamaha So Steve Martin won that championship. Andrew Pitt was second. Craig Connell was racing. Sean Giles. uh, Sean Giles, Adam Ferguson. Peter Goddard. Peter Goddard, um, Kevin Curtin. I mean, there was- It's huge. Big depth in the field and and I learned a lot very quickly. Um, I had a couple of podiums actually in that, towards the end of that year. As a privateer, won the privateer championship. I think I was about seventh or eighth in the championship. But um, it got me an opportunity because those races were televised. So we got some sponsorship. Yeah to help cover um, and, uh, and Barry Sheen was the TV commentator and I was a young kid doing well and uh, I got to know him and he liked, he liked me, he liked what I was doing and um, helped with a few things, helped me get a gear sponsor with Dane Easy and AGV um, and opened up some doors into Europe. He basically, for the following year, I, I pretty much had an offer to ride for most of the teams in Australia wow. and, and Baz said, look, if you want to go anywhere with this, your best chances to go to America or England right now and um, made a few phone calls for me and and got me a test over there with Sanyo Honda so um, it was awesome it was awesome but no, no one knew me in, in England and it didn't mean I had the ride I still had to go and test yeah. for the ride um, but luckily enough I was quick enough when I when I got on the bike so
0: so that's how your relationship with Barry Sheen started. He's much. a broadcaster. He was a broadcaster.
1: Yeah, um, did a couple of interviews with me and um, gave me his card and told me to give him a call after a race. And I went down to his place and um, I was just in awe. You know, yeah, great Barry Sheen, and uh, he's taken an interest in me and couldn't believe we mum and dad were paying for leathers and helmets for me in Australia. So he just goes, "Oh, what's the time? Hang on a minute." Dials someone, starts speaking in Italian. And it's uh, someone high up in Dane and he's, and he's talking away for, for five minutes or so. He hangs up and he goes, There you go. I've got your, got your three helmets and uh, two leather suits and a few pairs of gloves coming. So it's like, I couldn't believe it, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, just uh, the doors he could open. He was, he was definitely a good bloke, yeah. He had a, he had a way, hey? <laughs> <laughs> That's a way i putting it. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had a way. Definitely had a way. Um, just charismatic and, yep. and such a great bloke. And, and it wasn't only me, you know? Um, I was talking about. Troy Bayless, I spoke to him the other day at something else, and uh, we're doing an interview, and spoke about Barry. And Troy said, you know, it's Barry Sheen that opened up a door for him wow. into England after he did that 250 GP wildcard. It was Barry Sheen that wrote a letter to HRC to get McDoan an opportunity on a 500. Um, it was Barry Sheen that took Troy Corser over. You know, he just opened so many doors for yep. so many people. Uh, he didn't guarantee you anything; you still had to go and do the work. But he just he put your name there, yep. and um, Actually, when I when I raced in Australia in '99, I went to the, the motorcycle Grand Prix at Phillip Island that year, and Barry got me a pass and um, went in the Suzuki garage and met Gary Taylor and um, Baz said right then Ossete Jimenau and Kenny Jr. Are on the bikes I think and um, he said straight out he goes oh this kid's pretty quick guys you need to get one of these two guys off the bike and put him on now I'm just thinking oh jeez. you know right it's 500 Grand Prix you know sort of thing. <laughs> It's funny, when I rode for Suzuki a few years later, Gary wasn't the team manager then, but he came to me and said, do you remember a few years ago back at Phillip Island, Barry told me to get you on the bike? Well, it's happened now and you're doing all right, aren't you? So, uh, yes, yeah, quite it's funny. It's like a full flip, isn't it? <laughs> it was a
0: full flip. It was a full flip. So. Yes, that would have been too, that, that year's the um, championship year for...
1: Junior? Was he 2000? Tw- so right following on a, next year? Following year. So, he was second that so year. He was, so, he was still going fast. Still going good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, that's exactly
0: huge. so And... Like riding R1, like if you come from riding CR1, two, one, two and yeah. stuff, what was that like at that time? Because they were wild machines too.
1: It was. It was fast no electronics. Um, I mean, I did a few races on a 600. Yep. Um, which was which was difficult. The 250 GP was a lot easier. A, right. more of a race bike, I guess. The depth of the field wasn't here in Grand Prix at that time either. Um, Grand Prix class, the 600 was big and heavy. So the R1, it was. Don't get me wrong. I had a few crashes. I broke a little finger that I've still got wired up, and yeah. um, you know, there was it was a, it was a learning curve, um, but it was a it was the right thing for me at the time. Yeah. Um, rather than stay on smaller bikes and um, to get in there and, and to learn and um, but yeah, the thing was pretty quick. I think we we're doing two hundred and ninety. 295 oh, no at Philip Island, you know, like it, yeah. it's mo- like that's actual speed gun speed, you know, like that, yeah.
0: that's that's 305, 310 on a speedo. It's it's moving, you know, so. oh, mate. especially at 16 years old, <laughs> exactly. And that's it's, it's it. sort of like, um, like Ollie at the moment, like he's seven, 17. Yes, Ollie about the same age, exactly. Same sort of age, it's a huge step. Like he's come from a 600, and,
1: and I there's a few people out there that have been a little bit critical of him, he and looks I think great. they, but I reckon he's doing an awesome job. He's yep. his composure. Ollie Bayless has got on the motorcycle right now. is uh, impressive, you know. And don't get me wrong, he'll make some mistakes, but, but he's learning from them very quickly yep. and, he's, and he's speed. And the level in Australia is very high at the moment. You know, Wayne Maxwell, Troy Herfoss, um, you know, Mike Jones. It's a high level of racing at the front end of Australian
0: superbike for sure. You look at the weekend, like you, you go through to eighth place and there's an Australian championship amongst yeah. nearly every rider, you know. Uh, Brian Starring, Crew Halliday. Josh Waters. It's just Josh Waters. Exactly. It's pretty deep. It's very deep. It's very so, deep. Um, and, it's and good and to, to see Ollie Oli in right in the middle of it. Yeah. And each session is faster, um, apart from the little electrical gremlin they had in race one. Yep. It's just an awesome weekend for him. Yeah, so. very
1: much so. So
0: it's it's good to see. It, it is, and yeah, see what happens there for the future. How does um, how did you get on the R one? Who who got you involved in getting on so that? I was,
1: the the six hundred. I did a few races on that I mentioned yep. in ninety eight. Was um. A guy up here called Kev Marshall. Oh, yeah. um, he, he worked at a motorbike shop here and he used to help, he used to work a lot on my dirt bikes basically. Right. And he had a good connection with Yamaha. He's, he's one of their main mechanics now for yep. the Yamaha racing team. And where um, Kev didn't have a lot, a good connection with them, but he, he wasn't in the racing. So he was running Chuck Cartwright, Gary Cartwright, a rider from this area on the 600. And Gary hurt himself and they just needed the bike to be out there. So they gave me the opportunity and I, I did reasonably well in three races on that 600 and yamaha through kev uh, gave me a bike and a parts deal as right. a, you know it's not free but you you pay for it at the end of the year or sell it what you know like and you get the parts at a discounted rate yeah and kev came along as my mechanic um so there was there was kev dad and myself the three of us would go to the races i had two sets of wheels you know, the set and the bike and a spare set yeah and um one that was bike it. one bike we had a we had a budget for one set of tires at most races, sometimes second set of tires, yeah, um, and that was it. I'd practice, do all the practice on all the old tires. Yeah. qualify qualifying we put a new set in, do a couple of laps. Now were my race tires, you know. So that's that's how it worked. I mean, the bikes were less powerful then; they didn't abuse the tires, but still, we were at a, a slight disadvantage. We didn't have we didn't have much money. We didn't yeah. have any budget to go racing, and um, so uh, so when the opportunities came with Barry with the gear and little things come along, um, I had a sponsor in paul's milk which is parmalat yeah and um they end up staying as a personal sponsor for like 13 years but um really they were the really the first ones that helped me out here when i was racing in australia yeah is that right
0: yeah the like and you said about the bikes before but you cast your mind back to those gsxr 750s and that of like sean john mm. the Anstead air freight bikes and stuff they were like full factory machines yeah
1: they were They, like they that were. was legit bikes. so they were running qu- quacker uh, Kawasaki it's had Pity and Damon Buckmaster, on, I believe. Yeah. Then um, Josie, um, Josie and Mark Willis were on the Suzuki's that year, wow. factory bikes, and the Ducatis were fa- pretty much factory bikes yep. with Steve Martin and Craig Connell. Um, yeah, our thing didn't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit different, but um, but, but I mean that, yeah. the Yamaha R1 out of the crate, it was competitive. You know, yep. um, Kev worked on it. He did whatever he does with the engines and. Small bits, we had a, a different rear shock in, different exhaust, some modifications to the fork internals, but, but standard forks theoretically and yep. um, standard brakes, change brake pads and, and that's it, Where you go.
0: We'll touch on it further as we go, but you've been involved in, in different inceptions of the sport along the way, hey? Mm-hmm. Like yep. that, that was the first time sort of thousands were coming back in. That's right. You've ridden the 990. Yes. Then the 800s. Yes. Uh, thousands in world supers yes when they were starting to come back through
1: that's right so yes. you've
0: been into that sort of thing a few times yeah like so on the border of ages that, i guess well that's
1: right i was when honda came back with a thousand yeah we we were the the first ones to to race it with tenkata and yeah. i was the only bike that was 2004 um yeah again start of the year the bike was pretty average that year i could tell you yeah. a few stories about <laughs> that but um but yeah now there, there's a few ages where you go through and um You've been right
0: on the cusp of it, eh? Sometimes
1: it works for you and sometimes it doesn't. You know, you take a gamble when everything changes. And, uh, I mean, you look at Moto2 when it came in and Tony Elias won on the Yeah. Where do you see another Moriwaki in Moto2? They're just not there anymore, you know? So it all all
0: changes, yeah. What happens there? Like, say for that Moriwaki thing, like, because it came out and won everything. Like, it really did. Like, does everyone just get really better or does someone just fall on their... I think, yeah, yeah, other teams get
1: better and they focus on getting the right riders to to develop yeah. their stuff. And I mean, Marquez won on a suitor. Everyone thought the suitor was better and now Calax are dominating again. Mm. You know, it's it's if you get the right guys on the bike, they make it look better than it is. Yeah.
0: It's one sport that's still the rider, hey? Well it's still the, the It's pilot. still the,
1: the the bike makes a difference, don't get me yep. wrong, but it's it's the rider makes more of a difference than a driver does in Formula One excuse me mm. yeah for sure
0: and just I think uh, feedback riders hey the yep. riders that can because there's so much data now I guess hey?
1: yeah to be able to give the information to the uh, to the right people in your yep. garage makes a big difference
0: so 2000 did you hang around here
1: no you went, went, to, straight, the straight we straight went to the UK straight away so went over got a call from Barry said I can get you get this test you need to fly over da, yep. da, 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 da. and my mum and dad are like oh, what's gonna you know like I was seven uh, how old was it? 17 Yep. 17, 17 years old Went over, mum went over for the first test, landed, we in the UK met the team, went down to Spain, Glenn Richards was riding for the team Yep. and uh, and they put me on the test with Glenn and I was quick enough and uh, got the opportunity so I rode Supersport and Superstock in the British Championship in 2000 for Sanyo Honda with Glenn, um, won a couple of races in Superstock, I think I won one in Supersport and I was... I was third in one championship and fourth in the other so, um, but I was a lot younger than, than all the other guys and then in that same year when the European Superstock round for World Superbike came to Donington, yeah. I raced as a wild card because you had to be under a certain age and I was the only one really in the UK that was young enough uh, and, I, and I won that fastest every session, qualified pole, new lap record and won the race by seven or eight seconds. So, wow that opened a few doors as well you know yeah. so um and that's that's what gave me an opportunity at the end of 2000 barry had been talking to neil tuxworth um to try and get me on a bike as well and uh, one of the world super sport riders with castro honda japanese rider injured himself um so neil brought me in for the last three races i was teammates with Per reba yeah. who's jonathan Ray's crew chief now and um i did pretty good i think i was ninth or tenth at assen never been there um Went to Brands Hatch, qualified in the second row. Uh, no, no, went to Germany, qualified in the second row and got taken out in the first corner and I was in a first corner tumble with four or five guys and then went to Brands Hatch and um, did reasonably well. As, so that gave me a ride with Castro Honda for, for 2001. So. What was
0: the German track at that time?
1: Uh, it was Ostersleben. It was? Ostersleben? Ostersleben, pretty sure it was.
0: Because yeah, they've been like obviously through Grand Prix and well. They've been so
1: to So GP goes to Saxon ring. Yes, um, but supers went to Lausitzring, Ostersleben, Nürburgring.
0: Hockenheim. Hockenheim, not so, when I was there, but, but yes, but prior, to that, prior yeah, to that, yeah, that yeah. was Germany as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's hard to keep up with a few of those years, of, like, when they changed. When they later. changed, yeah, so, yes. So Ostersleben so I remember it was in the old East German part. So really, yeah. yes. Uh, and mm. then okay, so 2001, you were able to get the Castrol Castrol ride.
1: ride. Yeah. Um, yeah, shocking year. Worst year of my career. Serious? So uh, I was the only rider on the Supersport team. Yep. Um, the Superbike team was Colin Edwards and Taddeo Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were we were essentially off the side um, and we were on Michelin tires because the Superbike guys were. And We were one of sort of three team, riders' bikes on Michelin in World Supersport and we really struggled. Yep. We just couldn't keep we, – we, we didn't have the right stuff to compete with Dunlop and, and Pirelli at that time. Wow. Um, so I think my best result was fifth in one race and I was, I think 16th or 17th in the championship It was a shocking year. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just didn't work. And that's when I really like. You asked me earlier, when did you know you're going to make a career out of this still at that stage? I didn't because there wasn't many opportunities for a guy finishing 16th in the world to, mm. to try and find another ride. So, um, at that time I got to know Eddie Roberts, who was the racing manager for for Pirelli yeah um English guy used to race GPs back in the 70s and um he said through Tenkata Honda they're going to run a second team with Werner Damon out of Belgium at Tenkata engines Pirelli tires and da 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 so um so I got an opportunity to go and ride there um the Vans Honda team it was called 2002 and um massive pay, basically got paid no money and you know it was it was a, Tough time, but yeah. in that year, I got one or two pole positions and three podiums, and it opened the door to let me go to Ten official team for yeah. 2003. So, and it's, uh, that was an awesome year, you know. So, from 2001, just struggling to get anywhere, 2003, I was world champion, you know, four first places, four seconds. I mean, I was only off the podium, I had one crash and one race maybe that I wasn't on the podium. So, that was it, a, it
0: was a strong year. That's it. Like two thousand, like you were eighteen at the time, like two thousand two yep. or whatever. Did you think about coming home?
1: I, no, it didn't really cross my mind. I was still there, and it, and I was going to ride. I just wanted to get on the best motorbike to prove yep. what I could do. Um, I mean, if I had to come home, I would have come home. Yeah. But um, my focus was just to just to be in Europe, and I, I'd made the I'd made the opportunity to world. Well, Supersport teams knew my name, um, and they saw that I could race, but they didn't didn't know if the potential was there or not. So, um, yeah, so uh, so I kept that going. It's funny when I was World Supersport champion, two thousand three, the opportunities that came for World Supersport rides were were great. You know, three or four major teams: Ducati, Yamaha, Tenkata, um, Everyone wanted me to race Supersport again. I said no. Nah, like I've 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 ticked that off my box. I yep. want to get on a super bike now. Ugh. Then it was hard working. It's like starting again. Really? People at that time was like, oh, you're, you're a good super sport rider. We don't know how you are going on a super bike sort of thing. So wow. I got the opportunity with Carter we, we had a new bike in 04. Um And uh, I mean, I led the championship with three races to go, one and a half rounds to go. The second race in Imola, I was leading by one point. We had an oil leak on the warm-up lap um on actually went out on one bike it was playing up the bike i I'd finished second in race one or one race one and i come onto the grid and i said it's got a miss something not right so they switched the other bike out which had had a new engine in it overnight yeah and there was an oil line that wasn't connected so i hadn't done anything took off on the warm-up lap. went into turn one big high side broke my scaphoid and hit didn't know at the time and uh giovanni bussay um Legend, legendary guy in the World Superbike paddock, picked me up on his bike, brought me back around. I missed the start, jumped the wall, got on my other bike that had a miss. They, they'd fixed it yep. in the pits. It was just an electronic glitch. Um, got on it, passed the safety car. I think I ended up finishing sixth or seventh wow. from way back, but I was in a lot of pain. And afterwards I found out I'd broken scaphoid and a chip bone on my hip. And, um, and yeah, at that point I was three or four points off the lead of the world championship. And we went to the last round and the bike stopped in both races. But, um, but starting that year, we came to, we went out, we had no fairings that fitted. It was the first Fireblade basically oh, out fire in the blade. world. Yeah, yep. the first one. There were no fairings made. We came to Phillip Island. HRC gave us this HRC ignition system kit, ECU kit. And it had an electronic steering damper. <clears throat> but they thought it was, they could control that, but it didn't. So we had no steering damper. Fairings that were taped together, wow. um, and I ended up getting two second places at Phillip Island, the second round, and in World Superbike, um, I was lucky with one of them. Steve Martin should have won a race, but uh, his bike blew up; it would have been a third. But um, yeah, it was uh, Patronus, was no, no, the, he was
0: on the Duke. Is he still at uh, the Barney? The, the DF, DFX, okay, yeah, the Ducati, I think.
1: Then, so Gary McCoy won one of the races.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah.
1: So, um, so yeah, so that was two thousand four. It, it was a bit of an up and down year, but by the end of the season, we were we were very competitive, and then. 05 i signed for two years went on the winston bike and um started that year we we really struggled i had a teammate that year with Carl Muggeridge, yep. and um we just struggled against suzuki's suzuki come out of the box with with troy corsa and yukio kageyama and they were just just more dominant than us yep. um but by the end of the year i think i won six of the last eight races or seven of the last eight races something like that but um yeah, course I wrapped the championship up with a couple of races to go. So um, we didn't quite catch him, but second in the uh, in the World Superbike Championship. And I also did the Suzuka Eight Hour, which I finished second that year. And that that gave me an opportunity to get on a GP bike at the end of 05 when um, Troy Bayless broke his wrist. It so um, was the Camel Honda. Camel Honda. So I jumped on it at Phillip Island. Never ridden, never ridden the uh, carbon brakes, the Michelin slicks, a bike with electronics that was adjustable. Yeah, traction control engine brake and um i still remember after the first session was <laughs> patchy wet the second session the thing was so fast so fast after a world superbike i remember coming onto the straight and my um, crew chief um said oh you're using full full throttle in fourth gear on the straight." i said yeah he goes i'll oh, we'll give you a bit more power then i went there's there's even more you know like oh, really? just as well wow. and um Cresting the bridge at Phillip Island, the thing I'd want to wheelie—you're on the rear brake. I mean, they were just—they were just another world. Those those nine ninety Hondas, that Honda engine, yeah, was something very, very special.
0: That's something I was going to ask you about. Was that was it just crazy? The nine ninety was it just? What, it was, was easy it like? to ride?
1: Very yeah. easy to ride, but there was so much yeah. there, and 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 very linear power. You wanted more throttle, you open, you more yeah. power, you open more throttle. You know, uh, other bikes over the days have been, you know. They got holes in their torque curves. This thing was just linear and
0: yep. and it was, it was a very, very good motorcycle. So that 2003 World Supersport bike, mm-hmm. was that just on rails? Was that a really good package at the time? It was a really good
1: package at the time. Yeah. Tenkata built a really good just engine. a good machine, yep. Yep, so we had a lot of horsepower. I wouldn't say we, we didn't have the quickest bike. Yep. The, the, um, the Belgarda Yamahas were very good. There's a few Dukes out there very good. Some other Hondas were, were fast. The Suzuki's. Katsuaki Fujiwara, he was, he was very quick in a lot of races. But it was just a great package. And the Tenkata team, it ran like a family. Wow. Uh, very small, small Nick crew and um, they did a fantastic job. We had some really, really key people inside that team that um, yeah, made, it, made it very, very enjoyable to, to go with, yeah.
0: Because like on, on the outside perspective, just watching that bike, it was, it was just, just looked smooth, you know. Yep. It looked really... Really good. Obviously, it's probably riding styles, everything like that too. Tires, team it was everything. You yeah. know, we had a,
1: we were Pirelli's probably number one team at yep. the time. One of them. Um, we it was the last year before it went control tire. Mm. So, so we beat Dunlop to the world championship, um, wow. and uh, you know it was, it was it was great. It was a good. They were good times pre one control tire because when you get qualifying tires, you get all sorts of stuff to throw at you. So it was pretty good. So is there a big difference between a qualifying tire. Yeah. I mean, the things have got some grip, but they don't last very long.
0: Yeah. yeah. So like it, like say on a supersport sport bike, yep. chuck, a, chuck a qualifying tyre on?
1: Depends where you are and the yeah. circuits and how you use it. But um, yeah, generally there was a good half second in it. Um, and, but it would push the frontal. The, it's generally a rear yep. qualifying tyre. Sometimes we had front ones, they would try.
0: So you've got so much rear grip that you start to push, front. The front.
1: Yeah, yep. push the front. Yeah, push the front. And also to get your head around, when the bike is cranked over like this and you've been practicing all weekend on the track... That it's over there, and you're in a third gear corner or whatever, just to go whack because the grip is going to be there. Yep. It's it's pretty hard to get that to go through there without you know yeah. self preservation <laughs> sort of comes in, <laughs> and you think yeah yeah, yeah it gripped I could have went earlier you know sort of thing. Because so. you've had years of feedback of yes. not of not that of the tire not doing that you know? control it feel it control yeah. it so um, that'd yeah. be strange. It was. It was another thing to get used to, you know, and I had that in GP the first couple of years was open tyre as well. And That's I right. mean, Bridgestone had some pretty cool qualifying tyres there too. So
0: Wow. The, the 04 blade? how much did you get involved in the development? Because that was really the start of them. It yeah, the no, of- I, I didn't have a lot to do with the development. Yep. Um, I, I had a little bit,
1: but it was a lot done at the back in Japan. So um, I, I did a lot of the, the, the pre-event, press stuff around the world because yep. um, Honda had two world champions in road racing that year, Valentino Rossi and me. Valentino, Moto MotoGP, and he went off to Yamaha, so they weren't using him for anything. Yeah, right. Um, so I was the Supersport world champion, the only other Honda at the time. And um, so using me for a lot of stuff, so I was off the States, South Africa, here and there, riding this bike, promoting it. But um, I didn't have a I didn't have a big amount to do with development of the production bike. Yep. We had a lot to do with the development of of the race parts that went
0: into it. Did you ever get to have a go on the SP2 or RC51? No, no. never. Never
1: got a chance. Never got a
0: chance. Never got an opportunity. Pretty cool machine, hey? Yeah, that was
1: very cool. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was in the team when Colin and Taddy yep. were on it, um, and uh, I remember Colin Edwards' shirt that he used to wear underneath his leathers. It was the back shot yep. of, of it was the tail end of the two pipes coming out, and it was it was a foggy view of the SP2. Carl Fogarty's view of it. Yep. So it was just taking the piss taking out of Carl, but the he was going <laughs> to beat him everywhere. But um, no, it was it was a, it was a cool bike that thing. So um, yeah, but uh, no, never got to ride it.
0: Nah, I thought just just didn't around get to
1: ride there. an RC45 either. You know, the, never the Aaron Slight era. Yep. They were the guys I grew up watching. You know, in World yep. Superbike, Simon Crayfire, Aaron Slight, Colin Foggy. Edwards, Foggy, the GPS. It was Mick, yeah, Wayne, Kevin Swans. You know, who were you a fan like? Who were you a fanboy of? I was a Mick Doon fan because. Mick, more Australian, Australian but yep. um, uh, Wayne Rainey for writing style, yeah. just pure determination, and uh, yeah. yeah, I was I was a bit of a Wayne Rainey fan, definitely. So, and uh, you know, Kevin Schwantz, Mick Doohan, Wayne Rainey, Kevin Schwantz, so those three guys when they battled, that was some of the epic times in GPS. And I remember the first time I met Mick, you know, racing, and he comes in, he knows who you are. I went to Laguna Seca, 04 on the Fireblade, was O yeah O four. Um, it was the first time I did a double. Won both races there. Never been before. Kevin Schwantz was out there because he'd watched me in some races, giving me some tips on the track. Wayne Rainey's talking to me about how he likes I come out of the corkscrew, and I was just like, "Wow, this is this is surreal." You know, these guys are taking an interest in in what I'm doing, and they like the
0: way I ride. So yeah. and you've you've sat up at all hours of the night watching watching them as those kid. guys exactly. That'd be yeah, that'd be really weird. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, Why did you do well at Laguna?
1: To be honest, I don't know.
0: You did, I like, did, I did yeah, really good well.
1: Results. Um, I remember that first year I went, I did the double. Chris Walker took me for a track walk and told me, showed me some pointers and said he was never going to take me around another track again because <laughs> he didn't see which way I went. It's um, his insight, yeah, that's it. And uh, I mean, Kevin Kevin pointed out a few things and he was always quick there, but I I don't know, I, I put it down to, I I don't think I did exceptionally well there. I struggled at more of the European tracks where the European riders have ridden for years and years and years mm. and years and they know all the insides, everything about it. They go to Laguna or Phillip Island. It's a little bit different for them. They didn't grow up racing there. They don't know every little bit of the circuit. That's, um,
0: that's a good insight. I,
1: I think that had a little bit to do with it. You know, So I, was a, I felt like I was on more of a level playing field. It's like when I went to GPs, my first year, I hadn't been to half the circuits, and and even rookies that have come in had grown up racing them on mini bikes, one two fives, two fifties. Then they come into MotoGP the same year as me, but they know all these tracks inside and out, you know. Um, so it was it was difficult to get the most out of those circuits when when you get a couple of hours on the track before qualifying and in a race, you know, it's not it's not a lot of time,
0: yeah. Uh, like I, I look at the eras that you've come through through different parts of the sport and I look at, say, 04, 05 World Supers. You're talking, um, you know, Steve Martin. Yep. Hager, Kageyama, yourself. Yeah. There was Laconi, Toslin. Regis Laconi, James Toseland Yeah. Man, you've come through some hard times.
1: Yeah, well, there were. Um, but there's
0: always difficult times. There's always
1: difficult times. I think there's always no difficult doubt. times. Troy but
0: Corsa. Troy Corsa. Kageyama, we'll
1: there, was, there, was, there was a heap of guys there.
0: Yeah. It was toughest toughest in, in those two years of the World Supers, you reckon?
1: I reckon a guy I had a lot of battles with was James Toseland. Yep. Um, and you know, for a couple of those years, it, it was Hager, myself, James, Laconi, Corsa were sort of the sort of five of the main guys for the, those two years. And um, I would say James was probably probably the and I don't mean this in any bad way probably the least talented of all of us. Okay. But the hardest working, like yeah. he was just determined to to win it at all costs like he yep. was he was driven very very hard. We were all, all driven very hard, don't get me wrong. But um I feel like James had to be a little bit more because for whatever reason it, the 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 natural instinct wasn't there to just go fast straight out. So mm. yeah, it's very, just a different way of approaching it I guess. So what was
0: he on then? 999. It was, was he on still the,
1: Ducati? Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was on the Duke, Duke then. That were they these uh can't remember who the sponsor was. But yeah, it was after Hodgson yep. won it and then Tozlin and Laconi were on it for a couple of years. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe Xerox might have come through. It might have been Xerox.
1: It was before and then Bayless
0: came yep. back onto it Troy after that. Troy came back and I'm just trying to think.
1: So I was talking to Troy the other day, like yep. I said, and um, we've done one race together. Oh, six. Oh, 06. Valencia. He won the bloody thing, didn't he? He comes did. back from Superbike. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to have a good weekend. and We've done one run. We've been in the paddock a long time together. I was in Supersport when he was in Superbike. Yep. Then he went to GP and I went to Superbike. Then I went to GP and replaced him when he injured himself and he went to Superbike and uh, did that one race, come out and smoked us all. So.
0: As an Australian, like you've raced in that race. Mm-hmm. Tough tough race to have because he's come out oh. on it. But you must be proud as well. Oh, like definitely. It's, a, it's an incredible it was, feat.
1: It was awesome, you know. Yep. And um, everyone said, yeah, the Ducati was working well at that time and this and that. But I beat, he beat his teammate. It was Loris Caporossi. It's no mean feat, so you slow. know what I mean. <laughs> um, I know Nicky and Valentino had the championship thing going on and, whatever was going on with Valentino that day I'm not sure he fell off in front of me we were battling for 7th or 8th place you know which, which was unusual for Valentino at that at that stage yep. of his career so something was going on but um yeah and nicky i mean once he got in 3rd he was Slopey. champion you know Yep. so but troy troy did the job and 27 laps around valencia on one of those things he he did an he did an awesome job
0: especially after not riding him for that's it for a period different
1: tyres brakes all that stuff you know pretty much got dumped by Ducati MotoGP team. went to Honda you know things didn't go well went super bike won a championship again oh will you fill in for me and um, comes out there and shows them
0: (laughs) did they do the right thing getting rid of him probably not (laughs) (laughs) who do you fill in for was it Jibbernell yeah Jibbernell it was wasn't it yep and that's a uh, yeah that was a crazy day yeah crazy morning for us us Australians sitting there on TV watching It 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 was so <clears throat> did you enjoy your well super bike time
1: loved it really did it was did. very I remember it still it still felt like a bit of a game motorbike racing to me that not a game it was just very chilled out it was fun don't get me wrong I was I trained a lot yep. focused everything was about going faster um, there was no electronics in our sport then so it was all the bike as you got it and that's it you rode it you played so it suspension. was pretty
0: bare bones still there was no that. traction
1: control no ABS yep. uh, no engine brake control no None of that yep. stuff on the bike. Just um, a slipper clutch basically or something Slipper like clutch, that. Yep. engine work, chassis, you know, suspension modifications that we could do and um, tires and wheels, yep. brakes, that was it sort of thing. Um, so it was good. It was raw. I remember, you know, you could slide the things and spin them and it was it was great. And the racing felt um, – I was always – a bad weekend for me. I was fourth or fifth. So it was always – we were having lots of fun. I was having a great time. And I went to MotoGP and I was like, wow, this is – now this becomes work. It was, it was, and it did. It become really quite hard work, you know. You, I went straight in with a factory team. The testing, the development side, we'd go off and do, you know, three days of testing here, and then a week later, three days of testing here, and hundred laps a day, and putting this in and that in, and different tires. It, I mean, you, you earn your money. You definitely earn your, earn your keep there. Yeah. So it was, um, it was different. Not that I, I enjoyed it any less. It was a different sort of enjoyment. Yes. Yeah.
0: Did you like did you uh, feel like when you're doing the superbike you're racing with your family? Was it like a family? Yeah, it was, especially with Ten Carter. They made it
1: feel yeah. like that, you know? And the superbike paddock was pretty relaxed, all the motorhomes together, especially when you got buddy Bayless and Corsa and Bostrom and Neil Hodgson, all those guys in the paddock they're having, after the race, having a couple of beers, having a barbecue, all the motorhomes sort of parked up. It was, it was and you're good like twenty one
0: at this point, too. Yeah, right? I'm like twenty
1: one. <laughs> having a good time with them, you know so it was it was, it was pretty cool yep. getting an education exactly and yeah, then don't follow Troy Corsa really drinking no, <laughs> really? <laughs> he didn't drink anyone I reckon that really? bloke but uh, no but professional when he needed to be but yep. when he had when he had a good time he had a good time
0: he's 06 year mate that was incredible too eh? Yeah, on the Suzuki the, uh... Uh, that was a 05 5 5 against five. me that's right the K5 yes sixer. yeah yep. Yep. that yep. was a that was a pretty pretty solid that was
1: he, he was the early part of that season they won so many races yep Um we went, like I said, we won a lot at the end and I was more dominant than Troy at the end of the season but I lost too many points at the start basically and, um, yeah, second to the championship. I think with the last round, we went to the last round and um, oh, he needed to score a couple of points in the first race and he was champion, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you, do you re- realise or remember that, like, you were the first Honda amongst all the Ducatis? Yeah, I... Like, it's a weird stat. I don't know what it is, but there's some sort of weird thing that you, you were the first to break up a Ducati.
1: Yeah, massive stint. Six or
0: something. One, yeah. two, three, four, five, six.
1: Yeah, and they, they also they won, Ducati won like a heap of races in a row, like a yeah, stupid right. number um, because, you know, there was, it was, it was Bayless, at the end of Bayless era and then Hodgson and Zaus won pretty much all the races yep. that year and then Tosla and Laconi started off and then I won my first race, the second race at Silverstone. And I think it was the five hundredth World Superbike race, so it was massive promotion. Ducati were Ducati were fuming because they'd won about a hundred races in a row, yep. and then this big race for World Superbike. And um, yeah, there's a Honda on top with two Ducatis behind it. So oh, um, yeah, we were the first one.
0: Yeah, in the first year of the Honda. First year of the Honda, and that. I won,
1: and then I won the next two at Laguna. I won three in a row. Yeah, and so it was yeah. a good fun race at Laguna. Awesome, awesome. It's just good track. yeah, good track, good weather. Um, uh, it, it's lifestyle. nice to go lifestyle it's nice to go somewhere where English is the first language you know yeah. it's, it is it is nice when you spend a lot of time in Europe and um, you head over there and uh, that's pretty cool they, they definitely do it right you know with the announcer at the track and Welcome race fans. But actually, the first race I won at Laguna is quite funny. They played Walsing Matilda as a national anthem. Did they? Yeah. And the second race, they got it right. It was Advanced Australia Fair. So, um, <laughs> yeah, someone someone got their knuckles wrapped over that one, I
0: think. Mate, I, I have a feeling. I, I can't, can't remember what it was, but I, we were there in 2011 for... Yep. MotoGP. For GP, and I'm just trying to think what it was, but...
1: Is that the race that Casey passed Torre hey, down yeah. the outside so down the straight? And Casey won the race. Oh, he's,
0: he's, he's a machine there. I have a feeling they did the wrong national anthem or something at the start of that. Yeah, <laughs> as well. I, I have some sort of some sort of memory with. It. I remember being at the podium for it, and yeah, I have some sort of feeling it didn't play right or it didn't play or something. Yeah, know, so so my,
1: yeah, like you said before, did I like like I went well at Lagoon the first year there on the GP bike I was pole. Yep, led the race. We had a fuel pump breakdown really in the race, so. um I think I would have, at worst, I would have been second. Nikki was pretty quick. I had his measure at the time, but who knows what would happen at the end. But um, I ended up finishing fifth and the bike stopped four corners around on the slowdown lap. So, um, and she was just missing. It was very, very hot, Yeah. Um, but we, we were faster. Then the following year, I was second to Casey. And then the next year I was third to Casey, Valentino and Casey, when they that, had that- That's the bad, yeah. That year they had that-, yeah, they had that um, 08. That, that tussle, oh. Tussle. yeah, What would have been 08, yeah. So.
0: You got on to the 990, didn't you, for the Suzuki? First year, 06, I did One
1: 990. One year of that. Yep.
0: Big stepping stone.
1: Yeah, so I rode that Honda that we said before, Joe yep. Ballas' bike. Camel bike, yeah. Camel bike. And
0: um, How did Suzuki like, come about at that time?
1: Well, they were, they'd all, I'd already met Paul Denning. I knew Paul. Yep. But we'd already spoken and um, there was a bit of interest there because yep. of my speed in World Superbike and I'd been a World Supersport champion and Suzuki were looking at moving Kenny Jr., Online, oh, no, he was going else. He was going to ride for his dad, basically. Yep. Um. And I'm uh, looking for somebody, and I mean, it wasn't the best bike at the time. Um, but uh, anyway, I got on the the Honda. It did I, the first race. I finished tenth or eleventh. I can't remember. 10th. I was in front of a couple of Hondas anyway. Yeah. I beat Biaggi, and my and he was on a, on another Honda.
0: That's huge in itself. <laughs> exactly.
1: And I went to Turkey and did the same thing. Did quite well. And um, uh, basically, I said to Honda because they wanted me to stay in World Superbike. They were going to pay me a lot of money to stay in World Superbike, a lot more than I'd had been on and more than I got to go to GP because they wanted that championship won. And I said, well, there was a few things that happened in 04 and 05 that weren't my fault. We got disqualified from a couple of rounds because, one, our bike didn't cut out when it lent over. Oh, so yeah. I lost 25 points there. That would have won me the championship in 04. And then in 05, um, oh, that's why right, we had technical problems. With three races, the bike stopped in for me. And two of them I was leading at the time. Um, so, you know, I said, in my opinion, I've won two championships here. You guys have lost it. And I know it's a team, but this was my negotiation yep. skills. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I need to get, and I said, I've done two Grand Prix now and I've got a hell of a lot to learn in this sport. I need to, in my opinion, I need to get on a Grand Prix bike. And Honda, no, we don't have any opportunity for you. And I said, well, I've got an opportunity elsewhere. And I don't think they believed it at the time. So, um, yeah, I went and signed for Suzuki and, um, yeah, Honda were not, not very happy because they said, oh, we could have made something happen in, in LCR. And anyway, that being the bike that uh, that Casey got on in the
0: end. So, yeah, right. So yeah. the possibility was there to... To get on that. No, yeah. I don't think
1: I... Oh, who knows? I might have done better on it. or might not have, but... Um,
0: he went into a factory team. I went into a factory
1: team uh, to your contract and um, yeah, straight up. But who would have known Casey Stoner was going to be Casey Stoner, basically.
0: So. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't on the radar. I mean, he was good in 250s, but he wasn't someone that dominated like he yep. did in MotoGP, so... And and I think the timing of everything. Like you know how things are like a recipe. Yep. Yeah, I think the timing of him coming across and the bikes and I mean it wasn't easy though. The rookie our,
1: my rookie year, there might have been more, but I think five of the guys was um were Casey, yep. Danny Pedrosa, myself, Tony Elias, Randy De I mean there were there was some there was some speed in that in that rookie championship. And Massive. and Danny won that. Danny was third or fourth in the championship, he was, it was much stronger than us, you know?
0: So yeah, yeah. It's, it was huge. And coming from Denny was like, he's two fifty. St- like, yes. You knew it was coming. Yes, you know? that's right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a big jump. Hey? Yeah, so, very much so. What, what was the feel of a, cause there was a lot of conjecture around super bike riders coming into MotoGP and that obviously with Troy and Colin and stuff. Was that sort of still around? Like,
1: uh, uh it's, I know it's, what's the best way to put it? It's not frowned upon, but it's, it's not considered. Dorna, Dorna have put in, they've they've tried to make motorbike racing a show and a spectacle. And and I think they've done an awesome job, but it starts at their feeder programs and that's what they've been building to do. So now they've got the, the Asian talent cup and the British cup and all these ones that feed into the, the Red Bull rookies and the Spanish championship, which feeds into Moto three, Moto two, Moto GP. And that's, that's the, process they want that's their way that's their way it's not that saying that that's the be all and end all um but basically my opportunities come by going super sport and super bike racing yeah i didn't have the money to go grand prix racing it just didn't didn't work for us um and uh and i could earn a living eventually by racing super bikes and and winning races so that's the way it worked for me and and i was just there trying to go as fast as i could on a bike and then then the opportunity came to go to moto gp
0: so yeah yeah it's yeah. It was just it was just an interesting time, eh? Because there were so many people. This is the yep. right way, the wrong way. It's like, is there really a way? Like, there's, there's not, uh, is there? You know, I don't think so. Um, and and I don't think Superbike's
1: not any easier than MotoGP. I, I perhaps the depth of MotoGP field is is more, but yep. the guys at the front are still bloody quick. Motorbike riders, I tell you. still pushing it. Hey? Yeah,
0: definitely. How was how was the Suzuki at the start? Was
1: it, oh.
0: it just? It was incredible un- it was Blade unreal
1: yeah. yeah and and working with a factory team you know so oh the amount of questions and things i got asked at one point was what color switches i wanted and i said i i don't really know whatever and they go going oh, no <laughs> you gotta give us a color and i said pink and they turned up the next race with pink switches you know wow. i didn't really want pink switches but i was yeah. You know just Test the water yeah every, everything <laughs> everything came out so um yeah and it was it was a big responsibility you know there was two guys there pushing that brand and um yep. yeah it was it was good. It was it was good. It was a really b- good bunch of guys in that team as well. So and, and a few of them are still there with the current Suzuki team now. So, really? Yep. How was it to learn the tires? Uh, the tires and brakes and the front end and the mechanical grip that a MotoGP bike creates yeah. was the hardest thing to learn. I think um, power power there. You know, once it's working, it's in your hand. And electronics was another thing to mm. learn. But that was more me giving feedback and the team. Trying to develop stuff in the right way, but from a riding point of view, to get to get the most out of this, especially with a Bridgestone front tire that was pretty hard to crash on, uh, carbon brakes, the rigidity of 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 one of those things, it was man, you can enter a corner pretty fast, and yeah. and to get your head around the right way to do it, um, that was uh, that was that was a hard thing.
0: Just like you, you're talking, the R ones about three hundred k's an hour at Phillip Island. Mm. What was your what was it 990 330 333? 3, I think maybe, 3, 340, maybe 340
1: at Magello one a year. Big
0: jump, isn't it? Yeah, huge jump. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's but you the body only feels acceleration, it doesn't feel speed if that makes sense. So these things accelerate fast, yeah. So the number you get at the end is only relative the to the uh, to the amount of the, the length the straight is, but it's how quickly these things punch off a corner. That when you don't ride one for a couple of months, you go off season and then you go back, and normally we'd start it. At, uh, at Malaysia and yep. you're right out of the pit lane 60 k's now and you turn the, sp- the speed limiter off and you just go and you go that's right that's what I do you know it just pushes everything back on you you go wow that's fast
0: so it feels like you're starting again yeah that's yep. it you said about uh, traditional the European tracks weren't good
1: yeah well, they? Were
0: good? more difficult more difficult yeah. why'd you do well at Assam? Um, i same deal, like over the years. Like we're yeah. not saying one particular thing, but you had... It might have been the Dutch heritage. Who knows? Could be, mate. <laughs> We've got the last name. We've obviously got the family there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I used to get a lot of support there, especially, you know, being a bit of Dutch heritage in there. Yeah. and then the road for Tencada and um, they didn't really have a Dutch rider. But um, no, answer the question seriously. Assen was a tricky track. And I guess it was probably one of those circuits that the Europeans didn't go to a lot. Yep. The Spanish and Italians sort of rode Le Mans, Barcelona, Magello, Jerez, all those circuits got yep. ridden a lot. Assen was probably those you know in winter you can't ride there it's too cold. Mm. Um, it's barely warm enough in summer. But um <laughs> yeah no it's uh I don't know and it was it's a technical track especially the old Assen when the when it used to be be the circuit was like a road so mm. it was uh, it had a crown in the middle and you couldn't see the outside white line and you'd have to pick the bike up as you went over the crown and and getting the most out of it was um Again, Kevin Schwantz was special around there. Uh, Mick was special. You know, watching those guys and studying video. I, like, yeah, I, I rode Assen well. I won three out of my four World Superbike races at the yeah. old Assen track. Um, yeah, love the place.
0: Why did they change that?
1: You tell me. I'm still furious about it. That yeah. was, that was don't get me wrong, I love Phillip Island, I love Laguna, but that old Assen, the original Assen, well, it's not the original one. The, old, the original one was very, very long back in yep. the day but that circuit we rode on in the late 90s early 2000s that was the best racetrack I've ever ridden on wow awesome it was about I don't know six and a half k's long or something the lap it was well over Big two, length, two minutes of a lap and you're just curving through these corners and spinning into into positive camber and then negative camber and, and controlling the bike it was yeah to get the most out of that place and to be consistent around there yep. to put laps together put a whole lap together in qualifying yeah, she was pretty hard work. It, it looks like
0: one of the better places.
1: Oh, it's cool. It's cool, as. What was Turkey like? Turkey was, I liked the place. Well, yeah, I qualified pole there. I think uh, I actually came up on a list the other day. Um, there's only been a number of ride, eight riders or something that have qualified pole in their top first five MotoGP races. And that was my fifth MotoGP oh, really? race and I was pole. Yeah. So Lorenzo leads it. He was pole in his first race. and um, No one's been there like I yeah. guess as well. You're no, on a little... I went there. It was, it was, it was a wet qualifying. I'll give him that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite dominant. Um, and I think I had the lap record maybe when the track closed. Cause in the race I was, I got taken out. In the, it was a, it was a coming together with, uh, Olivier Jacques and Danny Pedroza. All
0: right.
1: And, um, I went down as well. It was in about fourth or fifth. And then, um, my bike was on top of Danny. So it was fine. So I stood on his bike, picked mine up, yeah. just had a Ben, a little bit of a Ben handlebar. And, um, uh, Paul Denning still gives me a hard time about that. I was so anal about my handlebars being absolutely perfect in the setup. And this handlebar was bent. I got the fastest lap of the race. Melandry <laughs> won it. When I picked the bike up, for example, I was 25 seconds behind him. And by the end of the race, I was 22 seconds behind him. You know, like yeah. I, it was, it was the first time I demonstrated like real speed in the in dry conditions, like with the bent f- race winning or podium finishing speed. Yeah. So, with mm. the bent bar. With a bent bar, Paul goes. You don't need to come in and get those handlebars perfect. You can ride it. You know, like yeah. So.
0: Was that a fun? Pl- like as a spectator, like it, for me, it was super sad that it, it shut. Yeah, because that looked like that um, right-hand uphill corner. Oh, and that, that looked unreal. That was almost flat. Really,
1: almost flat out. So you, yeah, you 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 were accelerating up through a out of a tight hairpin, a couple of kinks, and you would just hit. Uh, a, you would hit fifth gear by there and you would just roll the throttle just to get a little bit of load on the front tire because if you held it pinned, the the front would push through there and then just accelerate and drive the thing through and then hit six. And probably one of the fastest corners in the world, like, you know, approaching it at probably 260, 270 and knee down and just spinning the thing out. And again, qualifying tire on. In qualifying, it's like, wow,
0: full how much
1: am I going to push this, you know? So, yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it looked like. It, it just seemed a shame because the surface yeah. looked everything just looked like a great. I think place. that was a
1: bit of a uh, Formula One versus MotoGP thing. Really? Bernie Eccleston owned the track.
0: Oh really? I don't th- yep.
1: think he wanted bikes to go. I, I don't know what the whole ins and outs were. That's what we got told anyway. Yep. So, yeah, shame because yeah, that looked. Like it was a cool track, yeah. and it was a good place to go to. It go to somewhere different, you know. Again, yeah. I was competitive there because a lot of the guys hadn't ridden it. So. Yeah,
0: it's back to back to square one. You're you all gonna the same. Exactly. How was the first few years? You did seven, eight, uh, obviously as well in it. Mm-hmm over to 800. Did the bike did the bike get better or worse as it's going to an 800? Suzuki in 06 when I rode the 990 yeah. basically
1: sort of wrote off 06 year um, for me and Hopkins as, for, for getting good results. So what they wanted, they wanted to bring me on as a MotoGP rider yep. and basically develop a bike that was going to take an 800 engine. So we rode mm. the 990. We were the first ones to have pneumatic valves, so they built this 990 bike. So air powered valves, no, no valve springs. We rev to 20,000 RPM. Uh, oh, no, not on the 990, a bit less. When we got the 800, it was 20,000. Um, and uh, I mean, that 990 was still an awesome bike, but then Valencia, last race, um, finished the season. Monday was off. Tuesday, an 800 engine went into the same chassis, went out, went faster. Really? Okay, we had a slower top speed, didn't yep. accelerate as well, but around Valencia is very tight. But, um, yeah, like half a second quicker, close to. Um, and the thing just turned. It had less engine inertia um, just from a smaller smaller engine, basically. And in that infield section, oh, this, we were so quick. Um, and we left that test second and fourth fastest or something. We, we were very quick. And um, we had a good bike to start with. And 07 was a good year. I had mm. four podiums. John had four podiums. Uh, he finished... He finished third or fourth in the championship and I was fifth or sixth. I can't remember anymore. Yep. But uh, something like that. We, we were strong. We were challenging. We were up that pointy end. We were challenging Pedroza for championship positions. Um, both of us were. And Melandry, you know, like some guys that had been runner-up to Rossi, basically. Yep. Um, so things were really good. But then um, 08, 09, um. Th- 08 changed a lot. We had Loris Caparossi come in um, and he needed to get used to the bike. So a lot of development was, was down to me in the early stages. And Loris brought some good key things from Ducati. Um, but uh, basically the, the global financial crisis is what hurt us yeah. the most. So Suzuki cut budget massively and our development just phew, slowed right down. So wow. that, was, that was probably the biggest thing that, uh, that hurt us in those, those two years. Uh, that and we went to a one-tire rule. Mm. And the tire that Bridgestone, we were running Bridgestones up to that one tire rule time, um, but we ran a very different front tire shape. We ran one similar to Kawasaki, which was very different to what Ducati used. And obviously Casey was world champion. Bridgestone went with the shape that worked for Ducati. Um, when we were first riding it, we were we were a second slower on that type of front tire. We just it didn't work with our bikes. So yeah. um, this is one of the reasons I'm I'm against one tire rules. You, you've got to build something that suits the tire. Mm. And it cost Suzuki millions to go and redevelop chassis to make the tyre work for our bike. And um, we had to change change a lot of things um, in the way the motorcycle worked just to make sure that the tyre that was given to us, you know, we could get the most out of.
0: Like, and I said it to someone the other week, like all cost, redu- cost reduction exercises, they <laughs> turn the other way, eh?
1: Exactly. Like, it does. You exactly. You
0: got to develop around that.
1: Valentino Rossi was a big player in the one tyre rule. He was... I mean, he's had so much stuff over the years. I wouldn't say advantages, but he's, he's been able to have the best equipment for a long time. Yeah. And then Casey wins a championship in 07. He's really strong in early '08, And uh, Valentino's on Michelin's. And he's saying he's at a disadvantage with Michelin tires because Bridgestone could win some races, not all. Mm. And he wanted to change. And um, he had Carmelo's ear and it was it was Valentino that, that pushed that whole whole thing through very much so earlier than it was than it would have come. Um, he wanted to, he changed tires halfway through the season, even though he was complaining. At that point, when he was complaining, Danny Pedrosa was actually leading the World Championship on Michelin's, but um, which have been the favorable
0: tire for a they had been years. the favorable
1: yep. tire for a long time, and Bridgestone had come on yep. and and very much come to match them. It was funny at the end of 08, I was talking to Casey Stoner about this not that long ago. We knew uh, Yamaha and Valentino's team were going to Bridgestone. And we said might have been the end of 07, or one of the years anyway. And I said as soon as that happened, I called management at Suzuki and said we need to change to Michelin. We need to get off what Valentino's on. And Casey said it's funny. I called Ducati and said exactly the same thing. So because Val- you know if if the effort goes into Valentino at yeah. that time when yeah. he was st- when he was number one, and especially with Michelin, he got stuff that other people didn't get. So we figured. You don't want to be on the same as him. You want to be on something else and beat him, you know, so. Develop it around. Develop it around yourselves. you and, and make it work, yeah. That,
0: that's made it hard for the sport, hey, those things.
1: Yeah, it is. But like I say, Dorner have done a fantastic job of making the show.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's what it is now. It's so a great show. It is a great show and that's what they want. They want yeah. the close racing and uh, the passing and, and that's what the one-tire rule brings because they are right. If one-tire manufacturer has an advantage they do run away and then it'll only be half the field running away yep that's why they're getting closest top 15 finishes the closest top 10 finishes of all all that stuff now because the equipment everybody's got is getting more and more the same it's controlled ECU it's controlled tyres it's controlled brakes mm. it's controlled you know so it's, it's getting
0: closer and closer in prototype racing exactly <laughs> so it's that's not, the hard part it's not it? unlimited prototype anymore no. it's a formula isn't it so. it is you know can you explain tyre shape Oh, like, cause to the outside eye, like a 120, 70, 70, just, yes. like, but then there's, you know, all oh, the stuff we had. So you must have some pretty, so weird, in, in the, cause you were sixteen and a half and a half too. I think, oh, we were 16
1: and a half in the time. Yes. Um, yeah, so they had different widths, different, different heights, different heights of course. Yep. And then there was also a different shape of the tire. Really? So they could, they could build that, um, they, you know, more of a, more of an arc, less of an arc. Different compounds, obviously there's, there's left and right. Sometimes the center of the rear had a really hard or yep. really soft compound. Um, all sorts of things. You can, can change the the, um, the way the sidewall, the stiffness of the sidewall, the stiffness mm-hmm. of, the, of the carcass, the tread. That's obviously the compound. Um, there were so many things they would change with tire. And then with all that, they would change with pressure as well. So some tires, this is in the open tire days, we would run... Sometimes much higher pressure, some much lower. Um, I wouldn't have even known what the pressure were running, but I know that if we adjusted the tire pressure by you know, point 0.1 of a bar, like a pound, it would make a difference. Big difference.
0: Wow. John Hopkins. Yes. Is he a victim of um, just just bad, bad luck sometimes? Oh, a little bit, I guess at times. Um,
1: you do make your own luck. I'm a okay. believer in that. Yep, definitely a believer in that. Um,
0: to a degree. Yep. Um, I mean, he was fast. He had some speed. Because uh, he had the childhood like prodigy type deal around yes, him at the time, hey? He did. He did. Um, he didn't do a lot of racing
1: in America. It's a little bit like me. You know, he'd only done a couple of seasons, if that, and then got thrown into 500GP racing. So um, he was very quick, the stuff he did, but um, that's a big step. That's a mm. massive step, you know. And, and he dealt with it well, but you don't know how someone's going to be. You know, John was a very good rider, top, top five or six in the world championship for a lot of years, but yep. not someone that could challenge for a world championship. And whether it was equipment he's on, his situation, himself, who knows. But, um, yeah,
0: he, I can tell you at times he was very quick on that motorbike. Yep. Good teammate. Yeah. We got on really well. We still do. It you seems good laugh. It seems like like as purely outside thing. You guys sort of seem to be a good. It was cool to watch on TV. It yeah, seem like look a we got thing.
1: on well, and yeah. I beat him in some races. He beat me in some races. But that was it. We just wanted to beat each other. But we weren't driven to like we we still had a friendship. You know, it wasn't Swanson? Yeah, yeah, there was only the yeah, exactly. It yeah. was only the two of us on the Suzuki, and we wanted to make that bike go better. And after a race, you know. If he finished fifth and I was eighth, we'd come in and I'd be like, ah, John, you know, this and that. And he's like, yeah, same here. And all well, that happened or this. you know, like with the bike, how can we actually make the bike better? So we would sit down a lot and debrief a lot together to try and push the Suzuki on. And and I think it was how well our whole team worked, not mm-hmm. only us two, but the crew chiefs from both sides, the data engineers from both sides, everybody was had the same Goal, they wanted yep. to improve the bike. We, yeah, we wanted to beat that side of the garage, they wanted to beat us, but that was in the race. And after the race, like, how can we make our bike better for the next one? And I think that really brought the Suzuki on for a couple of years there. Was Paul, Paul Denning came from British Supers? Yeah, yep, that's a big step just in itself, eh? Yeah, very much so. So he was very good at running a team. Yeah. Um, so he was pretty much a coordinator, his team manager, but what he what Paul was very good at was putting the right people in the right jobs, and okay. and that's that's what a boss has got to do, haven't they? So um, yep. he put key people in some very good places there, and um, yeah, uh, made Suzuki the most successful I had been in a long time. Did you ever feel like uh, the 800, like the corner speed must have been just crazy? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Was it, it was cool. It w- it was make me think that I would have loved to have ridden like a really good 250 GP bike. Yeah. I've, okay. ne- I've never been, I've been on 250s, but not, you know, those 05, 06 Aprilias, you know, yep. what they were like, that
0: would, would have been cool. They, they're like just on rails. Eh? Oh, awesome. Corner awesome speed. Yeah. So, and that was obviously the big thing that transferred from the 990 over, hey? Yep. It was yep. just increase in massive corner speed.
1: Very much so. You got it. Exactly. Feel good though? It was. It was cool to ride. Like that 800, that, that, that 07 bike. Yeah. Um, it, things worked well on it. You Know it was it was competitive at a lot of tracks, wet or dry. Um, we were probably at a bit of a disadvantage in the electronics, but electronics still hadn't taken over massively at that, that stage. I mean, I mean, uh, Ducati and Honda apparently in Yamaha had better stuff than we had, um, yeah. it was easier to use, um, but uh, it wasn't the be all and end all. You right. know, when I went in Le Mans, we'd done no wet practice and we had no. No traction. I had no traction control in the race because it was horrible. It was working all the wrong places, and so I just basically switched it all
0: off. And so it was all switchable. At that yeah, time, yeah, right? adjustable. Yep, yep, yep. Man, it's it's such a. There's uh, a
1: bit to do on a MotoGP bike when you when you're trying to fight the thing. You got map switches and engine brake control, so we can control yep. how much um, it basically runs this one or two cylinders on. While you're braking, so it doesn't lock the rear wheel up, yeah, but doesn't push you forward either, so mm-hmm. you can control how much of that is. You got it. You got traction control settings to play. You know, there's bits and bits to do. And now you look at Jack and that, they got that ride height adjuster, so yeah. they lower the
0: bike when they're coming out of turns, and it's a video game, hey. It's a bit to play with, eh? Hey? I think that's that's sort of not. It's not a video game, but, but it's taking it to another level. It's another level, and like. That um, that whole video game thing is is to, to me nowadays is uh, what it sort of seems to be. Yes. Just the speed of it, I you know. know, of all, all the buttons you have got to push.
1: Because how cool was it, you know, in those early days when Barros was racing against Rossi and like Barros was so deep on the brakes, but then he'd go wide and Valentino'd pick it up was and he's spinning the thing out of the corner. Oh, that wasn't video game. That no. was that was that was, was through raw. the seat of your pants. That was feeling the thing, you know, Gary so. McCoy.
0: You know, Gaz, well. Gaz was pretty cool at it, so same sort of deal. Like, I remember looking at um, was Gary on the Kawasaki, yeah. That? What what track? I'm just trying to think what track it is. Um, Catalunya, yeah. Catalunya's got the double rights, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And you would have enjoyed riding this yeah, too, yeah, yeah. And you just see the footage of everyone
1: just spin. spinning out of there, yeah, yep. yep. I mean, that's a fast corner, you can't have a lot of speed, but these things have got a lot of horsepower, yeah, so they put a lot of a lot of drain on the tyre, and um. McCoy McCoy looked pretty cool. He had his theory too, and it, and it probably worked for him. Because mm-hmm. when the tire is gripping, it's generating a lot of heat. But he was he was saying when it was spinning, because it wasn't wasn't dragging. You know, the tire wasn't <laughs> friction. So he said it wasn't generating. As much heat, it wasn't cooking the tire as as such. It was heating yep. up the the outside, but not not inside the tire. Makes so, sense. Yeah, and that's for, his
0: theory, I guess. And I mean, it worked for him. He won three or four GPs, didn't he? Sir. So, yeah, damn. yeah, on, on pretty hard things to oh, I know. to win on. It was quick. The um, how did co when Loris came across. Yeah, I got on, I got on well with Loris. Had a lot of um, a lot of
1: respect for him. But yeah. I guess you know we had a guy, a top guy, two times. 250 world champ, or 250 and 125 world champion and he'd won races um so the first time I'd really had a teammate of that caliber yeah um and I guess it showed me that pure out and out rider and I know Loris wasn't at the peak of his career but John was a faster faster rider and I believe myself to be than Loris was at that time yeah and I beat him both years in the championship uh quite easily but um yeah, it was it was good, but he was he was definitely he was definitely a good motivator for the team, and um, yeah, brought a lot of good stuff in, a lot of good info from Ducati as well, which were, I mean, I wouldn't say they're the best bike at the time, but Casey was
0: dominant on it at yep. that time. Yeah, it was a good package, yeah. Yeah. The. Um the GFC must have been a cruel time to be in motorcycle racing.
1: Yeah, it was. We got hit pretty hard. So yeah. like I said, Suzuki cut budget. Um, they had this thing back in Japan. Like, like their sales went down massively worldwide. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they didn't want to sack anyone in the factory, which Suzuki is, is like a family when you work for them. And uh, everyone went back to three or four days a week. No one got the sack. They went back to little things like single ply toilet paper in the factories. Wow. Um, every second light bulb came out. Um, Photocopying was to be done do- both sides of paper and I mean with a big company they were they were cutting costs everywhere. So you can imagine a race team that they're spending 30 million euros on a year or whatever it was. Um, they're going, well, we can just shave five or ten off there, can't we? you know like that's that's a lot of and yeah. that, that, that affected us affected our results a lot. and that was one of the reasons I parted with Suzuki because I didn't know where it was going. Yeah. And, and I was right, the team did
0: stop in the end, you know, which was unfortunate. Because it it does seem like, and you're 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 inside this factory, you know. Yep. That Suzuki's like the little family compared to yeah, some of the others to, in, in a way, especially you know, Honda and Yamaha. Yeah, you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're big companies. They're more of a, fa- a family sort of company. I guess, Very much in so. A way. Yep. Were you in touch with Barry like throughout your career? No, because well, unfortunately, Barry passed in 03. Was so
1: three? Yeah, Yep. Yeah, '03. So. He passed away not long before I won my first ever World Championship race, which was Phillip Island, 2003, on the on the um, Tenkata 600, uh, and I won by a long way, running the number seven. So yeah. that was a special
0: moment. But unfortunately, he wasn't there to see it. Man, I, I wouldn't have thought it was 2003. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah, I thought maybe like just as you maybe got into yeah. six or seven or something. Yes, because I was going to ask you because you like uh, festivals of speed and that. I've seen you've yep. had the opportunity. I've done a couple. To, done a couple
1: of um, festivals of speed at Goodwood to and, um, ride the, the bike and stuff. I've ridden Barry's bike. I've ridden. That must be pretty. Special. I've ridden. I've ridden some at the, the Australian festival yeah, of Creek. speed, Eastern Creek. Yeah, I've uh, ridden it at Goodwood. I've ridden it in New Zealand. So I've ridden some of his bikes a few places. It is a special moment i got to tell you, the first time I rode his 76 bike or something, my yeah. buddy, oh, Baz, because he came off the um, the British bikes, yeah, gear levers on the wrong side, brakes on the other side. So it's reverse pattern with your-
0: So reverse, reverse, reverse pattern,
1: pattern shift? Shift yeah. with the gear lever on your right, brake on the left. So I'm doing a wheelie on this thing. Like, it's irreplaceable. And I go to grab the rear brake, and I go up a gear, didn't I? So I was like, "Ooh,
0: that was a little oh. bit close." <laughs> Be careful what you're doing on this thing. So, oh mate, those <laughs> things is like like riding around gold around a track, eh? Yeah, I know, I know. So, because wow. that's yeah, I, like I must say, it seems like you have got it. Craig Leams has got like a special connection with Peter Brock. Yep, <laughs> I yep. sort of see the same sort of thing on my side. As you sort of have this thing with Barry, and I've seen the bikes you've ridden. I've been to the yes. festivals of speed, and that it does seem like you have. Yeah, definitely. A lot to be thankful for, uh, I guess. A lot to be thankful too. for. Yeah. It.
1: And it's just a, such a great bloke. And yep. uh, like I, I knew Barry was a big deal here. Um, and then it would have been 2000 when I was racing in the UK. He came over for the British GP and Junior was champion that year. Rossi was on a 500. Max Biaggi was there. Yeah, some big names. Yep. Autograph session. They had Barry Sheen because he was riding a Manx Norton in a historic mm. race, support race. Now the crowd, the lineup for autographs for Barry was five times longer than all the others put together and he spent time with all of them. And I mean, these are MotoGP guys. Barry comes in in a helicopter, he's got motor, like He just, he just knew how to play the part and he's, he's, it was all charisma. Um, Valentino Rossi is the, is the next Barry Sheen, you know. Barry brought motorcycling on a long way in the early days and, um, and yeah, he's still
0: such a big star in the UK especially. 100% after the Suzuki, where'd you go?
1: Kawasaki, World
0: Superbike. World Super.
1: Yep. So, um, like I said, I parted ways with, with Suzuki. Um, I had an opportunity to stay in the MotoGP paddock with, with Primark Ducati. Now Primark weren't a top team at that time. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty much my only opportunity in, to stay in the MotoGP paddock. Um, there was a little bit of talk with, uh, with, uh, Honda at the time, but, um, uh Simoncelli was coming in and they weren't sure what they were doing with Bautista and no Bautista went and Suzuki uh Randy Depunier was doing there was a little there was a little few little things yeah. but I had an opportunity with Kawasaki um, factory mm-hmm. to to go to Superbike racing and develop a new bike for them so um, it was uh it was a 3 year contract straight up it was it seemed like a really good project and I liked a few of the people that were involved with it got on really well with them and, and thought they were going to do a good job. And, and to be honest, they have. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those guys are still there. It's come through to now, hey? It has. Um, but that first year of the bike um, was the old, the old ZX-10. She was, she was a bit of a warhorse, I guess you could say. And um, it pretty much ended my career. So at Phillip Island, I had a gearbox. I crashed in race one. I was, the bike wasn't really capable of, of being on the podium. And mm-hmm. I think I was in fourth place. Fighting pretty hard for third, and uh, made I made him a star crash going into Honda Corner. My own fault. Went down, the throttle got stuck open, blew up the engine. So next race, I've, I've ridden the other bike, and um, and long story, it was a new engine gearbox that had gone in. And uh, during the race again, I was I was reasonably at the pointy end. It was early in the race though. Um, up to Lukey Heights, and I've gone to downshift and the gearbox, locked up, and I went straight ahead and hit the wall and. Um, did a lot of damage to my knee, a lot more than I thought I initially did. And um, yeah, that, it pretty much ended my career, that, that crash. I, and I don't know if I'd ever come back from it. Even now I struggle to be in the position of a like a road race Grand Prix bike, for example, yeah. for a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I broke four ligaments, had no medial uh, lateral meniscus left. Um, the medial meniscus was torn, stress fractures down my tibia and up my femur. My kneecap was, was cracked. Um, there, was, there was quite a lot of damage done. So I've got some donor ligaments in there. I've got plastic parts, um, all sorts of things. And I was, when I got it properly fixed, I was five and a half months. It was supposed to be six months, but I got off crutches two weeks early. So five and a half months non-weight bearing and um, f- uh, five months of physio, non-stop, five days a week. So just to get, get her all working again. And that's just to get back to a, a, yeah. a, a part, you know? Yeah, and I, I wanted to come back racing. That was the initial plan. Um, But after that much time off, I was at a stage in my life, my wife and I were, we wanted to start to have a a family and um, the timing just worked. I never thought I'd know when I was gonna stop. Um, But I guess with that much time off, I was gonna be nine months off the motorbike. And in that, it took me nearly nearly the nine months to realize, you know, I'm not gonna come back from this. So uh, I tried to come back to a few races a little bit early wasn't good um, I couldn't get strength in my knee I couldn't get movement um, and uh, yeah then but long story short when I when I got fixed um, I'd, I'd made the decision I um, I filled in for Colin Edwards at Le Mans on the forward racing Suter BMW when there were CRT bikes right so Colin supposedly had injured himself I should have called him really I reckon he just wanted to get off it because it wasn't he that good <laughs> but he missed a couple of rounds and I filled yeah. in at Le Mans and um, I realised at the time I was happy because I didn't finish last and I didn't fall off you know and that I'm not racing for the right reasons then um, the bike was pretty average it needed a lot of work but, but, I, but I helped the team and then they contacted me if I wanted to do more races and I said no and then Kawasaki came back to me Juan Lescors hurt himself um, and they needed a rider and, and uh, they wanted me to come back to World Superbike and
0: develop What year is
1: this This is... Uh,
0: 2012 yeah right so the start of their run of yeah kawasaki run
1: yeah when did when did johnny get on at 13 probably
0: 13 yeah. yeah
1: so it was 12 they wanted me to come back. and i said look i'm no i don't think i want to you know they, they were pushing very hard for me to come back and live in spain and they were, i had tracks to to use um and super sport bikes to get up to speed and and, and super motard bikes and all this stuff and to get myself fit again and and um, I said, look, honestly, I've made, I've made my decision. I'm, I'm going to stop now. So, yep. um, yeah, they tried to throw money at me, you know, like what, like I was getting paid before and all sorts of things. But, um, um, and and looking back on it, I made the right decision. So we wanted to start a family. And I always said to Tony, my wife, that I didn't want to bring kids up in that environment. Yep. I wanted her around. I wanted to spend time. I wanted, it was a very selfish thing to be a motorcycle racer. And um, when I had kids, I wanted to spend time with them. So, uh, yeah, we come back here and um got two lovely girls now. So you come you come back to Australia pretty, pretty much straight much, away? Pretty much straight away. Yeah. So we sort a bit of stuff out in Europe, but uh come back in, in uh June, July twenty twelve, yeah. Do you still like doing
0: a track day or something every now and then?
1: I haven't ridden a road bike since I did the GSXR on a track. I yeah. did the GSXR one thousand launch whenever the last one came out at Phillip Island. Yeah, a few years now. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. did you enjoy it? It was good. Yeah. We were doing like, oh, I can't remember what lap times were. One minute, 36, 37s on, on road bikes. I was pushing pretty hard. I was going reasonably quick. So.
0: You make me sick. Yeah, that no, was good. Straight out. It was good for Yeah, it <laughs> had mirrors
1: and all that stuff. But um, my old racing boss, Sanichi Sahara from yep. Suzuki GP team, was the project leader to the de- wow. de- development of that bike. So, um, yeah, he had me doing a few little things here and there, playing with some bit of engine mapping stuff. And once he realized, I still had a little bit of speed in me. So, yep.
0: um yeah. It's fast. Fast straight out of the box. That was all right. Yeah. That was all right. Yeah, as I say, you make me sick. We were talking about 50-something <laughs> the other day. <laughs> uh, don't get
1: me wrong. I've been around there in 29s or whatever. So, yeah, yeah 36, 37 feels pretty steady. That's crazy. Yeah. How did um, – do you still love it? Do you still love the sport? I love the sport, yep. Yeah? Definitely. Still love that Yeah, I love – and I still love riding. I, and, and like I said, I grew up wanting to be a trials rider. I'm a pretty average trials rider. Mm. Um I'm a pretty average dirt bike rider like I I go okay but um I'm not gonna go and be you know the speed of of, of Ricky Carmichael or anything on a dirt bike but I, I love I just love all forms of motorcycling so yeah. I spend a lot of time on two wheels I've got some mini bikes here I make little grass tracks in my backyard I've got five little one two fives yeah all the same and um and uh, like four strokes you're really quiet yeah, and to have a good time um uh, I've got an adventure bike I've got an enduro bike um yeah I've got my my kids. I've got motorbikes. I spent time with that. them. yeah, so yeah,
0: two kids. So. two girls yep
1: yep, seven and five. Um, they're they're riding, and the younger one's not riding on her own, yep. yet, so she she's on there doing all the controls. she's she's got no interest to balance by herself when Dad can do it for her at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the older one, yeah, she rides around on a little little Suzuki drz 70, so yeah. was it a good journey? Awesome. The racing part. Yeah. Great. When I look back on it, and you've brought back a lot of memories, you know, talking about it, Yeah, um, things you forget about. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, there's lots of things. When I, when I was racing in England, for example, Mark Knopfler was the team owner of... Dire Straits Mark Knopfler. Dire Straits Mark Knopfler. And I was at a track at Goodwood. A guy reminded me on Facebook the other day. He was he was there with his dad, and um, I don't know their connection. And um, uh, yeah, Mark was a, a sole owner of the team, and, and we were at Goodwood Circuit doing a testing some parts because mark had the track with his cars and i mean some expensive cars wow. and rowan atkinson was there with some cars as well and you know i got to go in i didn't know i didn't care who those guys were at the time i had no idea i just, want to go fast. Although I just wanted to go and <laughs> ride my motorbike yep. and i had to go and talk to them because they paid for the
0: motorbike racing so that's all it was you know so wow yeah so there was some there's been some cool stories over the time i was going to ask you that like you you came through um both times superbike and g p pre g f c you come to a time where there was a lot of there was a lot of money being thrown yep. around, sir so yep. what's some of the weirdest what's one of the weirdest things you would have seen Poor. like people know. were flying choppers in and out all the time, and there yeah. was some, there was a lot of things being thrown around a lot there, of money was, there.
1: there was a lot of money being thrown around probably even more pre my time you know you hear about the Japanese economy really strong during the McDowan days, yep, I think there was a lot of money then um don't get me wrong, I think. You know, Valentino Rossi and a few of those guys have made a lot of money. Um, yeah. Some of the motorhomes, apparently Jorge Lorenzo had a, had a rooftop spa in his motorhome. I never went in his motorhome. Didn't really want to go in Jorge's motorhome. But I can't um, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get on a ride with Jorge, but I don't want to go in a rooftop spa. spa <laughs> with him. It's not my, not my type. No, um, so um, weirdest thing, I don't know. Really, uh, it's hard to say. L- yep. Lots of stuff going on in the championship, though. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> probably became normal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it would. it become adaptable. Fox Sports, your time yep. there, you've done six, five, six years, whatever. Yeah, something the like that. Was. Yep. How'd you get into media? <laughs> Just a, basically a call from Michael Strano, who's the producer
1: at Fox. and um,
0: Literally how it started?
1: Yeah, I did a little bit, obviously, when I was racing, yep. I did interviews with them, um, and they liked my on air presence, and I did a little bits and pieces for them. Um, when I was at tracks in Europe, if they if they needed anything while I was over there, I'd, I you know I was more than happy to help and give them, give them whatever they needed. And um, sorry, and uh, yeah, Strano got in touch and said we got GP back. Um, Magoo's on board again, still, as they say. <laughs> and uh, I think he's the longest Foxport's longest employee at about twenty four years or something. Does so. he move? Like it looks like he's just sat in the same. Yeah, same chair, same chair, same chair. Yeah, we don't know what Kev does, but that's that's nah, he's, he's great. You got it, you got it exactly. <laughs> that's cool. Um, and uh, we, need, we, need, we want a third head, you know, we've got a host and yep. and we want someone else and um, would you be interested? And I was like, well, never really thought about it, but yeah, I'll give it a go, why not? And then six years later, I was still there and I was humming and harring a lot about this year, but um, yeah, I just want to take time off with the family, basically, yep. kids are at school and spend the weekends with them and uh, yeah, watch the racing on TV, chilled out for a change. So what would the routine be for that? You could fly out on a Saturday? Or- nah, I'd get in normally Sunday, but I look, I'd watch... Everything that was going on, yeah, obviously, um, and stay in touch with a lot of people in the paddock, and yep. uh, I still got a lot of friends that are over there, so you know, and I still stay in touch with them now, but just content and just little little bits that we need because actually, when we're on air in Fox, there's not that much to do unless something happens or there's mm-hmm. something goes wrong, and then you got to have a lot of information that you can give viewers because we're live on telly, you know yep. what I mean? So, um, so I, I still got a lot of information inside my head that I can bring out if I needed to, but. Uh, yeah, that's. Um, I'd go down Sunday morning, um, basically get ready for the race and we'd, we'd be in the studio. I'd fly to here, sort of lunchtime, land sort of one thirty in Sydney, be at the studio at 2 and um, wouldn't leave there till midnight, basically, wow. just in the bunker underground. Fox Sports Studios are, are below ground level. Really? You're in there and, um, yeah, where you go, watching stuff on telly, recording stuff, getting ready with notes we've got to do and um, – yeah, that's about it. So watch, it watch Magoo bring in his lunchbox, his sandwiches. He he's prepared for the for the twelve hours. He brings in he brings in enough food to uh, to feed an army, basically. We're in a bunker. You got you got it exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: What's the bike we got behind
1: us? Ah, uh, so this is a mix between two thousand nine yep. and two thousand ten GSVR. Okay. So the chassis is an 09 chassis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's little bits and pieces. Basically, it's what they call show bike. So this is, I believe, the only only private Suzuki GSVR and collection in the world. Yep. So um, yeah, I'm lucky enough to have it at my place. So I, I rode this chassis, I rode these wheels, I rode part of the fairings, there's bits I didn't use, but mm-hmm. most of that stuff
0: I've, I've been on at one time or another. So yep. yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Now you were in a showy show.
1: Helmet
0: show. Mm-hmm. designs. Did you get involved too much in it? You always had really cool designs. A little bit, yeah, a little bit, but not massively.
1: So as art goes, I'm a really good motor. As an artist goes, I'm a really good motorcycle racer, right. basically. So I yep. um, can draw stick men. That's about <laughs> it. Um, but the, one of the the, the designers at Shoei um, is a mad hot rodder. And I had, going through, I had, I've got an old F100. I had about five or six hot rods at one point. I've only got two now, but um, love my old cars. Mm-hmm. And he's a mad hot rodder in Japan, just loves that cool you know the flame sort yep. of thing and um yeah when i got to know him and he knew that i liked a few cars he came up with designs basically and you know i, I taught put my input in and we'd do this and that and um mm. i knew it was always key to have a bright colored helmet yeah, because um, you stand out you know so uh yeah i tried to get you know some fluoro yellows whatever into into the helmet design and uh away you go and then you got the sponsors you got to look after it's of course, the team and yep. things like that and uh, try and put it all together, especially when you know, I was Red Bull sponsored for a couple of years. I mean, they take over a big chunk of your helmet, so you lose a lot of your design, but... Um, they really want that, eh? Hey? I the, really want it. It's a big thing, so, yep.
0: yeah. When did you get into Hot Rods? Obviously, you got. Oh. We, we spoke of your F-Truck. Yep. Uh, were, were, you, were you a kid fan of cars or...? Yeah, old cars. My old man's always like
1: tinker with motorbikes and yeah. cars and things and... Um, uh, my F100 was the first thing I bought, like old thing to restore. So yeah. I bought it in 2001. Yeah. It was basically some chassis rails with half a rotten cab on it. No, excuse me, no wheels, no suspension, an old Y block engine that that wouldn't run and uh, spent nearly two years building it up and still got it today. So I had that since on the road since 2003 um, and just love the old cars. Yeah, yep. love playing with them. Um, uh, I had a, I've had a 1933 Ford Coupe, um, mm. I had a 1957 Buick Two Door Special, I've still got a 1929 mobile that we hot rodded. It was a it was a four door sedan. We cut it down and made it a two door four seater, a Ute back inside yep. that's just an independent suspension and a fuel tank, and then um, a 400 horsepower Mopar with no engine bonnet top or sides, yep. like so that the engine's exposed. Um, yep. So she's pretty cool still got that. Um, what else did I have? Oh, can't even remember it. Uh, 1928 Ford as well. So, um, yes, yeah, so I had a few cars, yeah.
0: So, the most moderns are 55 the, the
1: f- 57 Buick. Are oh, the Buicks the later? Buick was 57. So, <laughs> there you go. Very cool. There you go. And my, and Tony, my wife, um, when when well, we weren't married at the time when she first started coming to Australia, I bought her a mini moke. She yeah. had a mini moke to get around in, and then we sold that because it was, yeah, no doors or anything. She had a, She had a 68 Beetle. So, yeah, right. So that was her wheels. She had a 68 yeah. Beetle here. I had the old cars. And then, um, yeah, eventually when we moved back in 2012 and kids started to come along, we had to get sensible cars as well. Yeah. So, yeah, had to happen at one time or another.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Mate, like sitting down for, for a few hours here, you've done some cool stuff within your life, but you're so humble.
1: Yeah, I, the way I look at it, I'm yep. the same as everyone else. I've got two arms, two legs. Yeah, yep. I could ride a motorbike faster than some people sometimes. Mm doesn't make you special you know what I mean so um, I was I was very lucky to make my hobby and what I enjoyed my living yeah and and I was successful along the way with it but um, yeah I I love being here I love living in a small country town most of my mates that I hang out with uh, farmers builders you know whatever we all like motorbike riding and uh, hang out a lot together and um,
0: yeah people are just people eh? people are just people you got it exactly mate thank you so much for actually I got one thing yep How'd you enjoy riding the Harley at the last <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ferg's asked me if I want to come back again. And um, he, the way he,
1: he, he put it in an email and the way he put it was like, do you, want to, um, <laughs> do you want to like threaten yourself by riding a Harley on dirt again? But actually, believe it or not, the thing was so hard to ride and yeah. it was very uncomfortable. The foot pegs were really high. And as you know, my knees not flashed. So I couldn't get my legs out. I was getting cramps in my hips before I even got to the track. That's how tight the thing was. Uh, didn't go around a corner very well, but man, it was cool when you got her in a straight line. So, um, no, I'm going to come back. I'll, if if I'm around for yep. dust hustle that weekend, I'm going to I'm going to come back. Um, he said they got a
0: few bikes there again, so yeah, well, be right. and what we've done. So, I've been racing that thing have you? for flat track. Foot. <laughs> I'm, like I'm no athlete like you, so I get on and I have got a cramp in my hip. But um, the we've we've modified the pegs a bit. Okay, so we've brought the pegs down a bit. Yep, seat's a little bit higher. Um, Put some more heat wrap so the pipes don't burn your leg. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> that was the other thing. That was the thing you had. So, but no, it's good. Like, it's it's been modded a bit and uh, yeah, it's sitting there ready to go. He said he might might have one of the adventure bikes this time as well.
1: Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. It's so, along. so, I don't mind it. It's a, it's a cool event. Yeah, it's great because it's, um, it's motorcycle. It's not, it's not really racing, but the, you're out there trying to beat everyone on the track, of course. Um, but yeah, the, the Dust Hustle crew put on a good show and um, it's good to see all those different
0: brands on the dirt as well. Yeah, it's, it, it, for, for me, uh, it's just like riding around a paddock. It is. You know, I feel like it's still like like that sort of feel. Yeah. Uh, there's still a gate there, so there's still something, yeah. but uh, it's not like that. So yeah, mate, thank you so much. Too easy. Good on you, Mick. Okay.